It's a construct. It's a pure consumer's construct. There is no God-given right to be a tourist. Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Low Season, a podcast about tour guides, tourism, and the future of travel. I'm Wouter Bernhardt, a tour guide from Berlin, and currently I'm gauging how my fellow tour guides are navigating the pandemic. I have a really great conversation lined up for you today. I enjoyed it so much, I hardly edited the interview, resulting in a slightly longer episode than normal. Marcus Bradshaw from Prague is my guest today, a guide for seven years that has recently pivoted into being the proud owner of a salad delivery service. Now, Marcus was not disappointed seeing the big crowds disappear from his beloved city, even if it cost him his own job. And even though the sound quality of this particular episode has taken a turn for the worse, I hope you bear with us because Marcus is very articulate and had a lot of interesting things to say. Okay, let's get on with this. Here is Marcus Bradshaw. Oh, welcome, uh, welcome, Marcus. Um, let me uh, first ask just a very general question. How, how are you doing? I'm great. I think I'm doing as well as can be expected. Uh, I think Prague is a good place to be at the moment. I think the Czechs have handled things very well. And we're, we are now to a situation of new normal. What does that mean? New normal means um, we don't have any tourists, which is really nice, actually, because Prague had been destroyed by mass tourism. So now there's a couple of Czech people wandering around with guidebooks saying Praha on the front. So it's nice to see Czechs coming to their own capital city. How many people live in, in Prague? Uh, we have 1.2 million people. And last year we had 8 million tourists. And they're just the official tourists. They're the ones who stayed in hotels or official licensed accommodation. That's not counting the, the plague of Airbnbs that have beset us. It's quite nice, actually. It's, there's this lovely feeling of the kind of city regenerating. And, uh, I had a beer on the Old Town Square for the first time ever. Um, and that was quite nice. And a beer on the Old Town Square cost 50 crowns, which is a little bit over the odds. Uh, but it's... Uh, Normally, a beer there would be north of 100, 150 grams, maybe even more. You, uh, you've, you've been a guide for a, f a fair while in, in Prague. Could you, you were immediately talking about mass tourism. Could, could, could you talk a little bit about that? How have you seen the city change? Basically, there's, there's something that's called the Royal Route, which begins at the city gate and it goes down through a street onto the town square. And then it winds its way down across the Charles Bridge and goes up the hill to the castle. And that was a human conveyor belt of people. Um, we used to joke that if you wanted to get to the castle, you just stood and jumped and stuck, stuck your arms out, stuck your elbows out. And that the, the throng of people would just kind of pick you up by the elbows and they'd carry you all the way up to the castle. You, you wouldn't need to walk. Uh, it was an incredible sight. Um, there were no Czech people around. Uh, everyone had been priced out of their own city. Every shop had turned into more tat for tourists. Um, it was horrible. It was really, really horrible. We hated it. We were very open in the fact that we hated it. We ran a tour at eight in the morning, where which was, was a bit like Disneyland before the park opens tour, because all of that street would kind of start to heave at about 10. So what we would do is we'd start a tour at eight while everyone was still in bed and we would walk down that street while 
all of the tourist shops were still closed and we'd go out into the Charles Bridge before it started crawling with people. And we'd be finishing our tour at 10 o'clock when things would begin to get busy. It was really lovely. It was the nicest time to be out in the city. Is that's why it's called the Naked Tour Guide? Yeah, stripping off all the nonsense. Um, in, in some way or form, and this is, of course, something that many of us tour guides sort of struggle with a little bit, is that even though we see this overcrowding happening, we're also catering to it in some way or form. I don't know. Uh, I've had people say that to me, and I've, I was saying, well, our tours had a maximum of eight spaces. Last year, Prague had eight million t- tourists. Now, eight million tourists wasn't good for us because we only have eight spaces on the tour. So it meant that there were over seven million extra people that were just getting in the way. And um, the majority of those people, they weren't responsible tourism. They weren't interested tourism. They were consumers. They were just kind of consumptive tourism where it's to stay in the place, stand there, get a photo, buy the overpriced thing and move on to the next place. It's very, very superficial. There's very little there's very little investigation or conversation consideration. Well, what if what if that is what if that is what the people want to do? That is what the people want to do. But to, to bear in mind that tourism it's it's just uh, it's just a form of consumerism. Um I I think a lot about um, about um, Noah Harari. I'm not sure if you've read him, the, the kind of historian. He has a wonderful piece about tourism. Um, and I, I, this, this came to mind recently because I was walking through a cemetery and I saw, uh, I saw a tomb for sale, which I thought was brilliant. And uh, Harari, I have it here in front of me, so just, if you just bear with me for a second. Harari says, The tourism industry does not sell flight tickets or hotel bedrooms. It sells experiences. Paris Paris is not not a city, city, nor nor India India a country. country. They are both both experiences, experiences, the consumption of which is supposed to widen our horizons, fulfill our human potential, and make us happier. Consequently, when the relationship between a millionaire and his wife is going through a rocky patch, he takes her on an expensive trip to Paris. The trip is not a reflection of some independent desire, but rather of an ardent belief in the myths of romantic consumerism. A wealthy man in ancient Egypt would never have dreamed of solving a relationship crisis by taking his wife on holiday to Babylon. Instead, yeah, he, he might, might have, have built, built for her, her a sumptuous tomb that she had always wanted. And so this is it. It's, it's a construct. It's just pure consumer's construct. It's a pure consumer's construct. There is no God-given right to be a tourist. It's something that has only developed very recently in our kind of combined history. If you look back even 50 years ago, only the very, very wealthy or the or the very, very adventurous could afford to travel. The very, very wealthy could afford to travel in style. The very adventurous, they hitchhiked and got on boats and had adventures. But the idea of mass consumerism, where you can pick up a flight for 19 euros and go and stand in some medieval town square somewhere for a weekend, that's a very recent invention. And it was a very harmful thing. It was very, very harmful to all of the places that were 
beset with all of these tourists. All it did was price the local people out. But what about all the amazing taxes that have been put on uh, traveling to uh, Prague, all the money spent in the shops? Amazing taxes? Well, what, what are you talking about? What's the amazing tax? How much is the tax? The idea that people spend money in shops and of course that's being taxed and spent on infrastructure and I don't know, like keeping the city up. Yes, there is, there is this idea. And you see, it would be different if the 8 million people who came here last year each took all the money, if that money that they brought to Prague was then distributed to the 1.2 million people living in Prague, that the people in Prague as a whole benefited from the money that the 8 million brought. But that's not what happened at all. A very, very small number of people benefited through all of this money coming in. And so, like, if you look at Airbnb, for example, there are people, people in Prague who had portfolios of 10, 15, 20 Airbnbs. They didn't live in any of them. They ran them as illegal hotels. And if you have 20 Airbnbs filled every day, that's just money going into one particular set of pockets. And it means that it takes all of the, it reduces the rental stock, it pushes up the prices for everyone else, and it prices the local people out. And you end up with the local people moving further and further and further away from the city centre and paying more and more. And the bizarre thing that has happened here since the calamity began is that the city centre was empty. That the residential areas around the city centre, they were full of Czech people, they were full of locals, the people walking, going to the shops, and daily life continued in the residential areas. But the city centre, the actual famous bit of Prague, was an absolute ghost town because tourism had eaten it. What about employment? Um, I know that many, many cities, many countries um, have a substantial amount of their uh, population working in tourism or for some, in some way benefiting from tourism, feeding their families, paying their rent. Oh, of course. It, I've ha- I haven't had an income since March 13th. I, I can, I, I'm the first. I'm the first one on the firing line. The moment that the borders were closed, my business collapsed. And the, the, we've done a wonderful job. Our our cases of 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 the of the virus are very low. Our death rates very low. The population as a whole is is healthy and happy. It seems, but it meant that tourism collapsed. And yes, okay, I have lost my business, and that was difficult. But you know, I can build another business. I have ideas of what else I could do. At the end of the day, it's it's a, it's just a business. You 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 can get it back. You can't get a grandparent back, or a parent back, or a wife, or a boyfriend, or a girlfriend. I and I understand what you're saying. I I, I was just remembering a conversation with um, a woman from Lisbon where I I brought up this argument, and she kind of rightfully said to me. Um, Yes, the economic um, factor, or, or, or I dismissed the economic factor quite easily. I said like, oh yeah, of course, there is some, there's some money brought in by tourists. But of course, the bigger problem is, is that all these cities get gentrified. And she reminded me, it's like, 
there are so many families depending on tourism coming to Portugal. And these are people that maybe have family-owned businesses that have been in their hands for generations. They go out of business, a restaurant. You're like I, I feel the the just setting up a new business. It might be the case for some people. I think I, I count myself lucky uh, among among them that I, I have the skill set. But I think for a large percentage of the people, it's not so easy to just move on. Oh, I, I'm I am not in. I'm not suggesting that it's easy. But unfortunately, this is just what is after happening, and this is the nature of the calamity. It is a calamity. But the other thing about it is that the calamity is just the prelude to the catastrophe. The catastrophe that's coming down the pipe is climate change. So everyone flying around in airplanes and pumping carbon dioxide into the atmosphere was not helping the climate change. And so the sooner we take our foot off that particular accelerator, and the other thing as well is that so much of all of this was just driven by greed. It was driven by greed and by profit. And when you're talking about tour guiding, so much of it had to do with resellers or like look look at booking.com, like taking taking commissions of 20-30% via tour, any of these things. All of this which has just doesn't actually serve to enrich the people in a given city. All it does is serve to export the profit to California. So you clearly see um, with the calamity uh, a, a big stop to what you see was uh, harmful for, for cities. Uh, so so what, what do we do to sort of change that? Obviously, it has been changed, but in order for it not to come back the same way that it always has been, what needs to change? You see, it depends. It depends on. It depends on the fallout of all of this. I think there's people who think that life is going to go back to normal, and those people are deluded. Life is never going to go back to normal, because for tour guides, we were hit by the tsunami on the first day. Our businesses were just washed away. In a second. But then there's all of the restaurants, the family businesses, the little shops, everything else that we're talking about. Those people, they weren't hit by the tsunami. Those people are going to drown with the slowly rising water level as this massive economic downturn strikes us. If you think that like all of this, this great big economic contraction and this depression that's going to stop, that's, that's, that's coming, the tourism is just going to evaporate because people won't have the money to go anywhere. And as the tourism as the tourism slows down and the airlines then they begin to they begin to collapse because they don't have anyone flying, depending of course on whether or not governments choose to bail them out. And then in a situation where you've got much fewer airlines and the price of flights goes back up to a situation where you're no longer paying 19 euros for a flight, you're paying 300 euros for a flight. And then we're back to a situation where only the very wealthy could afford to travel. You uh, have been a tour guide for a while. Um, you, I, I, I assume you enjoyed what you're doing. Um, 
how do you how do you find a balance between sort of enjoying what you're doing, maybe even seeing a sort of a sense of importance in what you're doing, and on the other hand, um, yeah, sort of stating that it is not a right to travel. Like, is is travel important um, in our societies, and what kind of what kind of value do we bring as tour guides? The very interesting thing about the beginning of the calamity, when we were all very afraid and we didn't know what this was going to look like, and things were changing very quickly, and the state of emergency had just been brought in and mandatory face masks had been brought in and everything was closing, as we were glued to the news and as we tried to deal with the changing set of circumstances, we very quickly reevaluated what was important in our lives. And what was important was that we had somewhere to live, we had food to eat, and that we had running water, that we had a wash. And everything else apart from that was just icing on the cake. There were some people who had to work and put themselves into the line of danger in all of this because it was a time when we didn't really know what this virus was like or how dangerous or anything like that. And these people, they had to do important jobs. They had to keep the food shops open. And they had to make sure that the food kept on coming because society breaks down very, very quickly when people run out of food. And so that was the really important thing, that the food remained in the shops. And they were the people who went out and put themselves at risk at a time when everyone was very afraid to keep the system going. Everyone else who was not involved in either making sure that we had electric heat, running water, or food to eat, or working in medical services effectively, their jobs were pretty much surplus to requirement. They weren't actually required. Nice if you have them, of course, but not actually necessary. And so this is the thing with tour guards. They're obviously nice to have, but they're not necessary. Um, and that's the case with most people's jobs, you know? So when you're looking at yourself in the terms of the importance of where do I fall into this chain, you know, a lot of people, they're probably not on the chain at all, the actual chain that's required to keep society functioning. What are you, what are you going to do to adapt yourself to the situation? Well, I've been working on a new business idea so we've been working on um, on a idea of selling salads because salad is something quite unknown to to Czechs. Um, the first salad arrived here in the nineteen nineties, um, and, and and came with a large saving of mayonnaise and ham. Um, sometimes uh, on tours, I used to bring bring people into a, into an old Czech deli. It was a famous famous Czech deli. And I'd bring them over to the salad counter and I'd, and I'd ask them to stop stop me when we saw the colour green. So we're, I'm looking at that and I've been working hard on that for the last couple of weeks. Um, it's, it's given me 
it's given me a lot to think about. It's given me a lot to consider. It's also made me realize as well how easy it was to make money from tourism versus trying to make money out of a local economy, especially a local economy in a massive economic downturn whereby tourists, they arrive with cash in their pocket and they just want to spend it. Well, um, Marcus, I, I think um, I want to leave it here. And, and thank you so much for taking the time to, to talk to me. I really appreciate Not it. At all. Uh, thank you very much. for Thank you for your time. Um, I, I, I have very mixed feelings about it. I remember maybe, maybe six, eight months ago, looking at Prague's over-tourism and thinking to myself, I might even have said it aloud to someone, that I would willingly give up my job if it meant that the over-tourism went away. And I think, yes, okay, I have suffered. Obviously, myself, my, my partner has suffered. But on the grand scheme of things, I think that the positive that will come out of this is much better than if we had just allowed it on its course because its course was destructive. Are, are you are you a hopeful man, Marcus? I think so. I think so. I think anyone who gets out in the out of the bed in the morning is hopeful. You know, um, if if you if you if you weren't, you wouldn't. Um, yeah, I am hopeful. Like the, the the biggest challenge for me personally is that my family and a lot of my friends are in Ireland. And unfortunately, geography conspires against Ireland because it's an island off an island off the coast of Europe. And getting there by train is very difficult. So that this is the th I, th I think the thing that is probably on a personal level of most concern is when am I next going to be able to get to see my family and my friends in Ireland? Apart from that, at the moment, in the current set of circumstances, when it comes to how the world looks today on June the 11th, 2020, Prague is one of the better places in the world to be. Well, Marcus, let's, uh, let's end with that. And um, thank you so much again for taking the time. I really enjoyed our conversation. You're very welcome. And um, yeah, um, maybe we can speak again in the future. Yeah, thank you very much for your time. All right. Take goodbye, care. Marcus. Bye. Marcus Bradshaw, everybody, speaking to us from Prague in the Czech Republic. So just off the bat, something that Marcus said or rather quoted made me think of conversation I had with Cassia from Paris last week. A lot of people that come to Paris right now, it's not um, necessarily because they they have real interest in it. You know what I mean? Like they they come because Paris is a cliché. And also Rick Steves in his book, Travel as a Political Act, mentions that we have forgotten how to be thoughtful travelers. I think traveling thoughtfully is a massive part of rethinking tourism, if only because the planet can't sustain the amount of air travel and cruise ships we had before the pandemic. Marcus already mentioned that the price for an airplane ticket will go up, which will inevitably lead to less flights. But for how long? How long before we all want to escape our daily lives again for a quick splash in the sun? It's hard and it will require restraint on the part of the traveler, but it also demands new ideas of what traveling is and can be. 
new ways to see the world, to travel around and meet new people. It calls for innovative ideas and examples so that people will want to follow suit. Now, if you're one of these people that has these ideas or you're part of a cool new project to rethink tourism, you should send me a message at thelowseasonpodcast at gmail.com or come and meet us in our discussion group on Facebook called The Low Season Real Talk. If you want to see more of Marcus Bradshaw and his salad adventures, I've posted a couple of links to his website. It really looks awesome. And I do have to say, I admire his courage for trying to make a business within the local market. Made me realize as well how easy it was to make money from tourism versus trying to make money out of a local economy. On Monday, we're back with a brand new episode, but I also wanted to let you know there is only three more episodes of the podcast left before I'm taking a break for a little bit. After having interviewed 130 people from all over the world and produced more than 60 episodes over the last couple of months, it's time to rethink what the low season is or maybe can be. I would like to create a more fast-paced format with multiple guests per episode based around one particular theme. And I'd like to make a positive contribution to the debate around sustainable tourism and let the low season be a force for good. But for that, I need time to do research and editing. And of course, I would need a budget. So if you have ideas on how to propel the low season forward, partners I could team up with or have ideas for new guests and episodes, shoot me a message. The Low Season produces three episodes every week, single-handedly produced by me, Wouter Bernhardt. Music is by Mark Schilders. Artwork is by CC White. Georgia Ryungu is our social media bombshell. Speak soon, my friends. If you think that like all of this this great big economic contraction and this depression that's going to stop that's 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 coming the tourism is just going to evaporate because people won't have the money to go anywhere